Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Hey everyone, welcome back to another special edition episode of the Virtual Success Podcast, where we're now taking it live online to cope with this COVID-19 crisis that we're currently all in right now. Today's guest, I'm talking to Peter Moriarty from IT Genius, and he's given me so many tips already before we've even started this show, but really what I want to talk about is so many companies have been... um, scrambling to try to move people into a remote or a work from home situation over the last few weeks, me included. I at the virtual hub had to move uh, 110 staff very quickly into work from home situations. And it was something apart from the, the issue of not having computers, the actual online or the, the systems part of it was very easy because I had actually set it up that way. But I know a lot of companies have been scrambling trying to do this and not really getting it right. So Peter's here with us today to talk specifically about how to set your company up to make sure that the next time, hopefully, we never have to do this again, but if you do, you can move fast and that your systems are portable. So Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am uh, thrilled to be here. So to kick off, can you tell me, I'm sure you see this all the time in your experience with working with companies, what, what does a, a company who comes to you and wants to be more cloud-based or wants to be more nimble in terms of moving people around, what are the major roadblocks and problems that you see in their setup um, to kick off? Yeah, um, I'd say it's always people. Uh, but people are always the roadblocks. Um, it's either uh, processes that are in place or ways of thinking that are in place, uh, which are the biggest blockers. Uh, and technology change requires people change. Um, and so when you're going through a process of, you know, everyone's been through a bad technology change at one point in their life, whether that was, you know, working in corporate and having someone implement a new system without training people properly, uh, or just, you know, switching from a PC to a Mac and the first couple of days kind of not knowing where the buttons are, um, you know, the frustration and the, the fear, it's not just a fear of change full stop, but it's certainly, um, you know, a fear of, of something new and, and, in some ways needing to take baby steps. Um, And so whenever we're leading any technology change for any business, we always go back to, you know, what are the people, uh, who are the people that are involved? um, And what are the the steps that they need to go through as humans to be ready and okay with the change? So it's all a change management process. The technology is just the tool or the strategy that's being implemented. So are you finding at the moment, I think what would have happened then with a lot of companies is that people have just been sent to work from home and told like, here's Zoom, here's a couple of tools, show up for the meeting tomorrow. I can just imagine how it would work. And then people are figuring out like, do I need to download something? Do I, how do I get on the meeting? Yeah, I'm expecting the first couple of weeks will be fine because it'll be like, yay, I'm on Zoom and I'm working from the kitchen table and isn't this fun and great? Uh, and then after then, the, 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 the poor work boundaries sets in um, or, you know, the, the instant messaging overwhelm sets in or the burnout sets in uh, when people aren't working well or, you know, maybe they haven't set up their workspace properly um, and so they'll literally have physical fatigue in their body uh, or maybe they're not getting outside the house for 15 minutes every day and they start getting the cabin fever settling in. Uh, so I, I worry for uh, the, the challenges that will come in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, right. Okay. So 
talk about let's talk about G Suite. I mean, that is the kind of you know. I know you do you do lots of change management. You do a lot of consulting, but um, we're a G Suite user. We are a client of yours. Talk to me about. I mean, G Suite. I already know. Like, we're not using it to the level that we should be. Right. So, talk me through some of the major features that you see people not using effectively enough within, let's say, G Suite. I'm sort of asking this for my own benefit as well. And, you know, how can we quickly sort of uh, turn some of that stuff on and figure out how to, how to roll it out? Yeah. For starters, anyone who's considering uh, adopting G Suite, um, the, the easiest way to explain like what G Suite is and why you might consider using Google Cloud over the Microsoft ecosystem or, you know, any kind of hodgepodge of other things is that, you know, G Suite is like the Tesla. You know, Tesla doesn't have, uh, uh, you know, a drivetrain. It doesn't have, uh, you know, a million moving parts, cooling system, you know, all these electrical systems in the engine, all those different bits to make a gasoline car work, you know, petrol, fuel, injection, all those things. Uh, Tesla just has a couple of moving parts. I think there's only five or 10 moving parts in the whole car and that's about it. Um, so G Suite is simpler. It's a bit like moving from a Windows machine to a Mac. It's simpler, but all the things that you need are there. And what I love about that is it means that you get out of your own way and you're able to just get work done. So most businesses will have Dropbox for their files. They'll be using Zoom for their video conferencing. They'll be maybe using Skype for chat or Microsoft Teams or whatever. Then they'll be using Office for documents and they've got to kind of like try and put all those things together. Whereas the Google ecosystem is simpler, but if you just kind of do everything the Google way, um, then, then everything works nicely in there. So what works really, really great is using uh, Hangouts Chat, which is a bit like Slack, right? And many people are using Slack as well. Hangouts chat is a bit like Slack, uh, but it's got really great integration with your calendar and integration with Hangouts for video calls as well. Google rebranded that as, as Meet. And so you can be chatting to someone, chit chat back and forward, and you realize, hey, you know what? Actually, we need to jump on a video call and have a quick call about this. You click one button and then bang, both of you are in a video call. Or maybe you're working on a Google document and you wanna share that with a colleague. If you drop the URL into the document, it'll automatically share that document with the person that you just sent it to in chat. So you don't have to you know, do the double sharing type thing. Um, so there are a couple of things that are built in. Um, the other things just broadly with Google is all of the AI integrations. Um, you know, they're auto composing emails now. They're giving you suggested replies in, um, in your, your email inbox. And, and even in the Gmail app, Google now say that over 30% of all emails, over 30% of all emails through Gmail are actually using the AI suggested replies, which is just crazy. Uh, you know, it's only been out for six months now, and now you know over 30% of emails are being written by, at least in part, by AI. So those little, you know, little bits and pieces that make your day easier. That's what I really love about the Google ecosystem. And I think um, even using a, you know, a Google spreadsheet instead of an Excel sheet sitting in Dropbox and waiting for it to synchronize back and forward. You know, many businesses. Uh, not even using something like a live document to share information together. Yeah, I mean, I know, look, we're not, I've got so many tips of things we should be using in G Suite, but I know that one of the reasons we were able to move very quickly um, to work from home is because we are we are a G Suite user and we do heavily use the drive and the live document sharing and you can just pop up from anywhere. I mean, it's, you know, it was, we don't have servers, we don't have um, everything that we do is in the cloud. So I realized in this move that, so the people said to me, how did you move that many people that quickly? And I was like, I don't know. Like we just sent them home and the next day we were all doing the same thing again the next day anyway. So it was actually pretty easy. 
Yeah. I think for a lot of businesses that they're still in the mindset, you know, even if they're maybe using Dropbox for their storage, they're still in the mindset of, I work on this document and then I put this document on the server and then the next person, you know, the server might just be Dropbox, then the next person works on it. Uh, whereas when you really embrace the Google way of working, which you guys obviously have, um, then you have the opportunity to say, okay, well, we're going to co-create a document together. Think about when you sit on a meeting and you've got three or four different people, right? And task management comes into this as well. So we start talking about Asana and other task management apps. But um, think about when you're sitting on a meeting and you've got three or four people on the meeting. Now, each person takes their own version of the notes of what was said in the meeting and their own version of what the action items were. That is worrying, right? No matter who's running the meeting, you, you've got different people with different versions of what they should be doing. Whereas if you were on a meeting and you opened up one Google document and you had action items there or you had you know, shared common notes there, then you've got all one common set of information uh, you know, and data from that meeting. Even better, if you're using something like Asana, then you've got one thread or one task uh, for whatever that objective or uh, strategy or, or task is, and then everyone's able to drop their notes in there. Um, and so we're really big on actually flipping the switch to collaborating uh, and being remote, you have to do that. Uh, what a lot of businesses are probably doing is sitting on Zoom and everyone's got a pen and paper and they're writing their notes on pen and paper but those four people are doing four completely different things. And so, um, you know, if you were a business who resisted setting up a cloud-based task management system, I know you guys are big fans of Asana as well, uh, or using something like a Google Doc to share together, if you're not forced to do that now, then in a couple of weeks' time, you're going to be really hurting when that project dropped off or that staff member didn't do what you wanted them to do or someone promised they'd do something on a meet three weeks ago and you're pretty sure that you said, that, you know, you told them to do it, but they didn't actually do it. And now you don't know because it wasn't documented anywhere. Do you know what I love about this, the direction this is taking is that, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, um, get, getting the right people solves your problem or getting the right systems solves your problem or having deep process solves your problem. And I've found, and I'm sure you found through the journey of, of building collaborative type businesses that are virtual and, and all this sort of thing, that those three things need to work in, in synchronicity together, very much so, because I went through a terribly painful experience a few years ago where I was like, we have Asana, we have deep processes, um, you know, we have our communication flow, we've got rules around how we use these things, and we were still seeing mistakes until we introduced the huddle. And the huddle was where we came together every day. And then we had rules around if somebody says something in the huddle, then you have to update and tag the person who's, who you're passing the baton to next, like, and all this kind of, so it almost feels like the crux of the remote working or the virtual um, business is actually centering around the word collaboration, where all these tools and systems are come into it, as opposed to, you know, have we got Zoom? Have we got G Suite? It's how you use it and how the team interacts. I really believe the tools are there to facilitate the humans working as a team. Uh, and so as you say, when you're on a huddle and someone says, I'm going to do this, then someone that you may have chosen one person to be your scribe for the meeting, and we often do that. One person will be the scribe and, the, and, and in our Asana threads, and we use the, uh, I think it's called the, the progress or the update feature in Asana. Um, but we're always doing an update there and we have a, no a list of notes. So that's the minutes. And then we have actions and we tag each person against their actions. And uh, then it's their responsibility if they want to create an individual task for it or whatever. But this is what you've committed to. And, uh, you know, you've used the example of huddles, which is a repeating, I presume, daily meeting. Um, there may be a weekly meeting. There might be a weekly all hands. There might be a monthly all hands. Whatever your 
your uh, cadences of the meetings inside the business. The technology tools here are used to facilitate the accountability of the people who are promising what they're going to get done. You know what I've found as well? A lot of people have asked me in the past, you know, how on earth have you built this company from afar? How have you done it virtually? How have you done it by not being in the Philippines? I'm not based in the Philippines. And I've always said, I think because I was the remote person building it, I mean, I have an office-based operation, but it did start out work from home, so we were all remote. It actually forced me to create a virtual environment, a very, very successful virtual thing, because you don't have the chance to tap someone on the shoulder and just, you know, over the water cooler. And actually, well, you kind of do because you can chat message them or Skype message them or whatever you're using. But what I found the danger with that, and the same thing happens in an office environment, is that because you can do that, and if you're doing that, you've got to be careful how instructions are being passed over. Because one day it's a Skype message, the next day it's a phone call, the next day it's a Zoom meeting, and then you have, like, it gets missed because people are like, but I told you that. And you go, when? Oh, you sent me a Skype message. Oh, well, it wasn't in the flow. So I've had to clean all those things up by being in a virtual environment as well. Because somebody will say, I Skype messaged you. And I'm like, oh, but it wasn't in the task, in Asana. So therefore, you're expecting people to remember what to do. And in a virtual environment, that's heightened even more because people are, are not actually, you know, they're not listening across the floor from each other and, you know, reminding themselves of conversations. Yeah, I think there's a couple of challenges there. One is uh, in, a, in an office setting, you'll have, you know, a whiteboard and the top five strategies or top projects or top, you know, customers that you're chasing or whatever are there and everyone sees it. Uh, and that's really easy. Having that, um, that shared line of sight for the whole company is challenging to do remotely. It's something that you've got to you know, be reminding and reminding and reminding about. Um, yes, having tools or tasks is, is the, you know, the easiest way to do that, uh, but you've got, to, you've got to have some way of doing that. Um, I'm pretty disciplined. The second issue that you've raised there is like you know, the different channels of communication. Um, I'm pretty disciplined that we have two ways of basically contacting each other. We have chat if it is urgent, that's only if it is urgent. And we have Asana for everything else. We don't do emails. Don't do emails. Don't do Facebook chats. Don't do Instagram. Nothing else. And if someone messages me in chat and I can see it's not urgent, I say, thanks, Asana this to me. That's it. It's, hey, hey, Asana me. Great. I've seen it and received it, but Asana me. Uh, and that discipline or policy effectively of saying, this is what we're going to use these tools for. If you're strict with that and you've got to lead it, being the, the you know, if you're the, uh, the organization owner and, and manager, um, then that will keep things nice and tight uh, and work for the team because it doesn't work unless you do that. Let's dive into email. So I've, I, I have so many things I want to unpack there because you're like, I mean, we sing from the same hymn sheet, but that's the reason we've been successful. We're not, you know, new to remote working. So we've been doing this for years. Um, email. Uh, the amount of clients that come in, we we try we actually try these days not to take on a client that that is saying they want to do instructions to VAs by email because we're just like, I can't really explain why, but in my experience, it just never, ever, 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 ever works <laughs> doing instructions and task management by email. Talk to me about your experience with that and whether you're echoing the same, like why did you move away from email for for instructions? Oh my God. So, I mean, I've run an IT help desk for over 10 years. So we live and, we live and breathe, you know, productively communicating with 20,000 employees and the customers that we support. We've got 1,500 businesses, 20,000 employees across them. Email, uh, business owners receive hundreds of emails per day. We all know that as a fact. Um, the analogy, simple analogy that I have on why you should get out of your inbox is 
that if you were to go out to the street and open your letterbox every day and flick through what was in your letterbox and take out the ones that were important, but leave everything in there and never pick up the bunch of letters and put them on your kitchen table for sorting. If you just left them in the mailbox on the street all the time, it would get so overflowing that you would start to miss the important ones. And that's what happens with our inbox. Um, and so when you have a mix of staff emails, supplier emails, customer emails, and then the 80% of junk and marketing and newsletters and everything else, then you so quickly become in overwhelm, you miss what's important. And that's the most critical thing. So uh, email is just, it is also a slow and a kind of crappy communication medium because it's a, it's a formal medium. Uh, you have to say, dear so-and-so, here's my email instructions, kind regards, hope you had a lovely day, blah, 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 here's my signature, right? Whereas sometimes you just need to actually say something quickly or say yes or no, or that's great or that's not great, um, which is why Google's trying to bring in their AI to, you know, to stop the, the beast of email. Um, but the, the most important one is if you have your tasks and your communication threads with your team in something that's not email, instant messaging is not the be all and end all, something like Asana or Trello or whatever is, is the best uh, because it's non-urgent, but it's still structured threads of conversations. What that does is it allows you to have the work time, which is you communicating with your team and the other people time. And the other people time should be scheduled. It shouldn't be all the time. If you're the kind of person who has emails popping up on your desktop, switch them off, switch off the email notifications on your phone and do it when you schedule, when you choose to engage in working with those. Uh, don't, don't be a slave to those emails because like I check mine once a day or even sometimes every second day. It's just not important for me to get in touch with those. But for many business owners, and I, I do want to talk about one tool here um, if we have a moment, for many business owners, if you are the person that everyone is coming to, then it's going to be hard for you to remove yourself from that. And that is a process that you will need to go through over time. Yeah, I was going to just touch on that for a second. So if someone out there is listening and you're thinking, oh, we use email, we how, it's not going to be a simple, you're not going to turn that off tomorrow. But when clients come to me and they say, I really want a VA to run my email. And I love digging into that question and going, okay, let's look at that. Like, is that really, because my theory is, well, why don't you eradicate email first? Now that doesn't mean you don't need a VA because you may need them to deal with customer support tickets or whatever way it's coming in, but you've got to try and eradicate email so that the only emails coming to you as the owner are like, I mean, I only get things like, you know, someone wants to interview you on a podcast or very minimal sort of things come to me directly and everything else needs to be funneled into, is it supplier support, customer support, is it staffing, like all our staff stuff is like you, it's inside of Asana and, um, uh, and chat is only for very quick, urgent things, the same as you. So it is a process that you need to set up, but I would encourage anyone, um, and look, on this podcast, on our website, um, the Virtual Success Show podcast, we've, I've, I've done many shows on this with my co-host, Matt Malouf. We've talked about this ad nauseum. There are so many shows in there on how to do this on, on a deeper level. So go check those out. Um, any, what are your final tips, uh, Peter, for people you know, currently in this remote scenario? They maybe have a mishmash of systems going. What's your sort of top two or three tips for people to get through this time successfully? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll simplify it. Um, but I want to make the point on the, the, you know, the email and managing your inbox. I think, Barbara, you're in the comfortable position of having uh, transcended to a leadership position of, of a CEO of a business uh, in that you know, it's just not appropriate for anyone to be emailing you. For anyone, anyone who's earlier stage in the business, there is a, that business shift that you need to go through to remove yourself 
from being that primary point of contact, uh, and you know perhaps that's what you're referring to in the other shows. Uh, that that shift has to happen, um, and so you know that and that's a common mail. Let's get really simple. It's a common mailbox. It's help at or support at or info at or sales at or whatever at yourdomain.com that your customers are trained to email that is no longer going to you anymore. And that is a journey that you have to take. But when you take that journey, not only is that going to help you on a day-to-day basis, because it means that you and your team will provide better support to your customers, that's a mindset shift as well. And that mindset shift is this business is not me. This business is a service. (laughs) And that is a shift that a lot of business owners never get to. And it doesn't just apply to your email. That applies to everything. It's the brand. It's the, you know, I mean, I know we're on doing these podcasts, but I mean, you know, we're the leaders of these businesses, but you're very much promoting, I mean, the virtual hub, which is my business, has its very much its own brand. It stands up by itself. Same for you with IT Genius and the stuff that you're doing. I mean, it's still a journey. It's, it's still a journey. It absolutely is. And look, I, I love for anyone to email me. I, I don't mind getting emails at all, but, you know, don't email me. Don't email or call me when your emails are down. That's what my support team are for. Um, but I want to simplify. I want to simplify the tech stack. So we've got this concept of you know what's the remote work tech stack? What do you need? Uh, I simplified it down to three C's. Really simple: connect, coordinate, communicate. So connect is how do you get the basics done with your team? And that's in our case, Google Hangouts, Google Meet, Google Drive, the Google ecosystem. Right? That's the foundation of how do you actually get work done when you're not sitting in the same office and you don't have a server sitting there or you don't have people to yell at across the room. And Google's G Suite tools make that really easy to get done. Most people know what those tools are, so I don't need to delve into it. Um, coordinate is the next one. How do you coordinate your internal work? So a task management system, and we're talking Asana or Trello or Podio or whatever. Our pick is Asana. We happen to be an Asana partner as well. Um, but uh, that's really easy to get started with. Great interface, free for up to 15 people, which is awesome. Really great app. Been using it a long, long time. You guys love it as well, which is great. Um, I would also say in, uh, in coordinate as well is how do you coordinate delivery to your customers? Um, and so you're going to need some kind of customer database. Uh, that would be a, you know, a CRM system, like maybe an online marketing system, like an Entreport or Active Campaign. Um, or it might be something that you use uh, more internally for relationship management. Um, so we happen to resell Copper CRM talks to G Suite, of course, and everything else that we do. Uh, but that's for sales team who want to do relational sales. Now, if you're sitting in an office and you've got three people there, you can say, hey, how's that customer going? Or how's this customer going? Or hey, you know that deal? I haven't heard you pick up the phone and call that customer in a couple of weeks, right? All that stuff just happens kind of naturally. Um, but for our sales manager who has salespeople all over the place, we need to have a programmatic system to actually see, okay, which customer has gone stale? Which deal needs some help? Um, you know, what are the, the higher, uh, more important deals that I want to filter up and bubble up to the top and, and jump into? So you've got to use something there. Um, a spreadsheet might be, if you have no CRM system or no sales tracking right now, a spreadsheet, a Google sheet might be where you start. That might be enough. Um, but you, you really got to have that down. Uh, number three is communicate. Um, and so we already talked about communicating via email, switching to a common mailbox rather than using individual personal mailboxes to interface with the customers. That's super important. Um, phone system is the next one. Um, you know, most well, many people have just kind of picked up and gone back to using their mobile to do business now. The problem with that is it's the same as using your personal email. Uh, you really need to have a business line uh, if you're a business and be able to work from there. So we have a cloud-based phone system that happens to be called Dialpad. There's plenty of other competitors out there as well, but that works on your computer, works on your phone, but when you dial out, uses the internet, dials out from a Sydney or a Queensland or a Victoria number, 
wherever you need your business to look like it's calling from. Um, and so that would be number three is communicating with your customers, but not allowing them to, you know, text you at 11 o'clock at night and say, Hey, is that project done? Which is just so, so common. Uh, and so if you can set up these tools correctly and, you know, go through that mindset shift of I'm building a business or a product or a service, uh, that is not me tied to me intrinsically individually, um, then these tools will help facilitate you having a business that you actually love that doesn't actually, uh, control you and control your life. Um, and so, you know, in the rush of, Oh, I have to work from home now. Um, you know, don't slip into the, the, you know, the old poor habits of allowing others to dictate your boundaries around time. Cause that's a pretty slippery slope. Absolutely. You know, and I see so many people that, you know, they're, they're slammed because they're on the phone all day with clients and they're trying to refer stuff back to their team. And like in my business, I know it's the same as like I, I, nobody would ever contact me. I mean, there's just, unless it's like the team would only come to me. I mean, I actually see everything that's coming in. So I know everything that's going on, but it doesn't go to me. And it, you know, we have all, you know, help at the virtual hub and, uh, .com and, and, and all those email addresses, but there's really cool things you can do just to give people who are a bit more, more into the tech stack a little um, tip. I mean, we've put a little integration in with Zapier to make all of the emails that come in to help, they all drop into our customer support project in Asana. So people say to me, like, every morning, I can get a picture of pretty much everything that's going on in the business by just going to Asana in the inbox in Asana because we have lots of zaps actually through Zapier that make, like, our calls drop in. We can see, like, in, in all of our pipelines in Asana, we can see... Um, how many calls came in, how many converted, um, it all drops into Asana. And there's, there's some pretty easy, it sounds complex when I'm talking about it, but Zapier.com can do so many things with that to tie systems together. Yeah, our, our team can help with that as well, if, if, if you need help putting that together. But I think, um, you know, like the most important thing that you've highlighted there is that, um, you know, the business owner shouldn't be the bottleneck. If, if right now to the, to the listener or the watcher, uh, if you are the person that is the conduit uh, between business coming in or jobs or work or projects coming in and then it being funneled out to your team. Uh, now, yes, it is important that you are the master delegator and that you are coordinating the machine and making it work, uh, but it is not your job to be the conduit and the glue between everything. And so as much as possible, if you can have the work bypass, your, your job is to design the system so that the work, the stuff, the things that need to be done go past you and go to the team and get done. And then your job is to tweak that machine and make sure that delivery is effective. We are literally cut from the same cloth. <laughs> I absolutely 100% agree. And um, you're running at the moment, tell me about, you're running a remote business playbook at the moment. Tell me more about that. Where can people find out about that if they want to delve deeper into Thank you so much for asking. Uh, we've been running a remote business for over five years now and uh, successfully business has grown, um, exploded, done really well. Uh, we are taking everything that we know about running a remote team and we've put it into a series of eight webinars. Uh, we're giving that away complimentary to our concierge members. Um, and so if you're not yet a member, um, have a chat to our team about getting in, uh, in touch and, and, uh, and access to that. Um, but that is effectively covering how to hire and build your team uh, in the Philippines, uh, how to, if you're interested in that, but you know, mostly how to build an international team, how to get the culture right, how to make sure everyone can actually get their work done remotely how to do all of the tasks and the huddles and how often do we do things. And, you know, effectively we're not, we're not business coaches. I'm trying not to be too prescriptive about how you should run your business. But what I do know is that we're running 
a multi-million dollar business with 35 employees all working from home. And we've been doing that successfully for five years. And uh, we're just sharing what's working for us. Uh, and our customers are already telling us because we're a couple of weeks in that they're getting a hell of a lot of value from it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that, please go ahead and reach out. Um, if you're um, uh, interested in just checking out what we do, uh, petermoriarty.tv or head to itgenius.com. Uh, we're streaming heaps of stuff on uh, our Facebook Live and heaps of stuff on our YouTube channel as well, uh, which will give you a bit of a taster of the stuff that we've got going on in the course too. Yeah, and look, if I could just share, I mean, you know, we've been a client of ITGs for quite a long time now and there's been many situations that your team have helped us out of. So um, yeah, just a, a, an amazing team to deal with. Uh, really spot on team, really well oiled machine. So thanks everyone for joining. Um, we're going to be talking next week live again um, all about membership sites and how to get a quick membership site up and why now is the best time, given you might have some time up your sleeve, to be thinking about getting that digital course out there and getting you know more digital into the business that you already have. So, Peter, thank you for joining us today. And everyone, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together.